0: Hey there, creatives. Thanks again for listening. Um, Here's another in our series, uh, Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit, where I'm interviewing different therapists who are providing specialty training at the event. Um, Today's interview is with art therapist, Sharon Strauss, and um, she is the uh, assistant um, director for the Portland Institute for Loss and Transition. And if you're a longtime listener, then you may have heard um, the voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit episode three with Robert Niemeyer, her colleague, and um, who is the director there at the Institute. And they have created an entire track of trainings that are specifically focused on the work of um, expressive arts therapies, for grief, bereavement, loss, and transition at the upcoming summit. Some of them are gonna be virtual and then some of them are going to be live in Atlantic City at the Tropicana location where the summit will be held this year. It's the first time on the East Coast that that's happening historically. It's always been in New York City, but um, because of COVID, there's been a lot of changes and this seems like um, a, a much safer route Uh, The conference itself is going to be held in a different building, uh, different tower, uh, separate from the hotel, so it gives people some space. The rooms where the sessions are going to be held um, are going to have plenty of distancing and space for people to gather, um, but also still feel comfortable. Uh, Some of the sessions might even occur outdoors, weather permitting, on the beach. Um, I highly recommend you check it out if you've never been before Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite um, my favorite events and um, Sharon uh, she's going to be presenting on a few things uh, that I thought were really interesting Um, in person in Atlantic City she along with uh, colleague Jill Harrington are going to be engaging people in a training on the use of superheroes in addressing grief. And so the title of that presentation is Superhero Grief, Secret Identity and the Transformative Power of Mask Making, which I think is really interesting because Um, the superheroes usually have some story that um, they have, they've experienced some grief, some loss that kind of transformed their experience. Um, So that should be really, really interesting. And the other um, that she's going to be presenting on, which is the following day, the 12th, and that's going to be with Sarah Volman. And they're going to be presenting on doll making in the treatment of traumatic loss. And you'll hear her her share a little bit about that process in the interview today and using, um, using memorabilia and fabric um, that belong to the, the person um, that the individual lost and using um, those personal affects to create the doll. Um, and she shares really beautifully um, about that process. But if you wanted to check out some of the other amazing sessions and you're not going to be going to Atlantic City, that's totally fine because there's lots and lots of virtual opportunities. Um, Evie Linderman is going to be presenting on the use of mandalas and um, the Mari focusing on grief and loss. Um, And that's going to be November 4th, totally virtual. Um, On the 5th, also virtual, is a Spanish track. Um, And that's going to be taught by Lucy Rodriguez Barbosa. And that's going to be all about symbols and rituals and the management of loss, art therapy and the treatment of grief. Um, And There's also going to be a virtual town hall, which is a culmination of um, several of the sponsors of the event. So it's going to be co-sponsored by the Portland Institute for Loss and Transition, the Kent Institute, and the Center for Journal Therapy. And that town hall is going to be held the evening of November 6th. And um, they've titled it Mourning, Meaning, and Celebrating Together, an Expressive Way Through the Pandemic. And um, Sharon's going to be helping to hold space for that. Um, Robert Niemeyer, who I mentioned earlier, he is going to be there. Evie, um, Catherine DeLong, Stacy Yeldell, which um, you heard in the interview in the first um, uh, the first episode coming back um, a few weeks ago and and Nancy Sherlong who's also been on the show and she specializes in expressive writing so that should be a really um, a really nice space to as therapists to just be able to be and process this experience of um of grief that we're all going through as a result of this ongoing uh, pandemic. And then if you are interested in um, learning about uh, prescriptive memory making, Nancy Gershman, who I've also had on the show, she's gonna be teaching about that on November 7th. That's a virtual um offering, and um, Stacy Eldell, Jenny Linthorst, and Gabrielle Kaufman, they're going to be doing a training also on the 7th for creative rituals for processing grief and celebrating life, um, and there's Gosh, there's so many more amazing opportunities to um, learn. Uh, There's uh, music as medicine at the end of life on November 24th. First, that's a virtual session with Catherine DeLong. Um, memory boxes, containers of love and loss. Uh, Sarah Volman is going to be teaching about that in person in Atlantic City on the 13th. Um, so really there's there's something for um, everyone in uh, this track. I highly recommend you check it out and you can do so by going over to Expressive um excuse me summit.expressivemedia.org and um I hope that you enjoy this interview with Sharon Uh, she was just absolutely lovely and I appreciate her her honesty and vulnerability and sharing about her own uh, personal loss and how that informs her work um I hope that you'll enjoy it as well
1: the creative psychotherapist is the official podcast of the creative clinicians corner a practice building resource for creative psychotherapists tcp podcast is the cast for creative expressive and experiential focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design build and scale a thriving private practice Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the next episode of the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I am excited um, to be releasing this next um, episode in the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit 2021 series. And today we're speaking with the Associate Director of the Portland Institute for Loss and Transition, Sharon Strauss. And Sharon is um, a board certified registered art therapist, um, a licensed clinical practicing art therapist is what I'm assuming the LCPAT credentials are. You know, every state is a little different. (laughs) And um, her art therapy practice national presentations, trainings, and practitioner supervision mentoring focus on traumatic loss, specifically with parents who have lost a child, suicide bereavement, and military family loss. Um, She integrates theoretical foundations of her group and individual art therapy work grounded in meaning reconstruction, attachment-informed grief therapy, Continuing Bonds with the Deceased and Restorative Retelling. And she is the author of Artful Grief, A Diary of Healing, written 12 years after the suicide of her 17-year-old daughter. I'm so sorry. She is the co-founder of the Kristen Rita Strauss Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting programs that increase awareness of mental health through education and the arts. Thank you so much for being willing to talk with us today, Sharon.
2: Oh, I'm really honored to be here with you and just excited to talk about something that I'm so passionate about, which is art therapy. (laughs) Yeah, so how long have you been
0: um, an art therapist?
2: I have been an art therapist for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Over 30 years, um, you know, I, some of the pioneers in the field were actually some of my professors, I was really um, fortunate to have that experience and certainly um, the field has changed a lot over those years and um, good changes. Um, Mm -hmm. Way back when I was uh, in graduate school, they actually didn't require you to make art. which sounds like a really unusual thing for a group of art therapists, but that shows you now, you know, studio art and materials and methods are important aspects of one's training. And so, um, you know, I was was lucky to find a profession that married both of my loves, which was art and psychology. Yeah, so I've, been, I've
0: been in the field for a long time. It's um, it's definitely a unique uh, blend. And I know as an art therapist myself, when I realized that it was a field, I was already in art school and I and it was, you know, very exciting to to learn about it.
2: Like, oh, my gosh, I never even heard of such a thing. Um, I hadn't either. I felt blessed when Goucher College opened uh, a program that was literally down the street. So um, it's been the best thing that I ever did. I, I love what I do and I love creating, you know, um, offering that to others. And so it's, it's it's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so obviously you know, you have some personal, very personal experience with grief. Were you always kind of focused in using art therapy uh, for helping people with grief throughout your career? Or is that something that shifted as a result of your personal experience?
2: Yeah, that absolutely shifted, um, my focus and my awareness, um, when I lost my daughter in 2001, I had kind of a general practice of a, a, a very small, actually at that point uh, practice um, because the children was uh, a big focus and getting them out of the house and kind of launched. Um, Kristen was one month at Barson School of Design and that was uh, a month before 9-11. So um, she she died sh- uh, shortly after that, and um, you know my life changed um, yeah. completely. And yeah, you know, this is a story that I you know share to both the bereaved that I work with, but um, to clinicians too, um, because I think to be in the field of grief and bereavement, to be able to share your story. Um, is so important. And so this is something that I do openly and freely um, as a way to teach. Um, that first year, I was more in traditional kinds of therapy, um, couples therapy and um, seeing a psychiatrist and, you know, suicide support groups. And after a year, I was like, wow oh my gosh this is really awful the funny thing is is that i had not been making i didn't make artwork that first year and uh, i think that you know that so beautifully speaks to what happens in trauma um what's obvious what is right before you you can't even grasp onto and so I didn't start making artwork until about a year into my, into my, you know, uh, journey. Um, but then when I did, a, a door completely opened, it was from the very first moment that I created that very first collage. Collage was something that I embraced as a modality. Um, He'll hear the old story I can't draw I can't paint oh <laughs> uh, yeah but everybody can open a magazine and tear out um, paper and so that really was my beginning and it, it was a, a profound awareness that uh, this is what I've been looking for and you know created a body of work that became the foundation for a book that I wrote um, and published in 2013. So, you know, and and then the journey continued to unfold with people that I met along the way, moving from the survivor community to the teaching professionals. And, you know, it just unfolds, I think, of itself, if you're willing and curious and open to step into that next
0: thing that comes your way yeah you know I, what was coming to mind when you were saying you know that it was a year but you know before you you could you thought to do that to get mm-hmm. back to your art um it made me kind of reflect on my own uh, grief experience where mm-hmm. um it it's also like a sense of energy you know it takes energy to create and in that response to grief it very much feels like your body is just void of energy it takes so much energy just to breathe
2: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah exactly and I, I think that was one of the things that I realized that that night that and I was standing in my kitchen and turned off the lights. It was Christmas time. And I just kind of looked up and said, oh, my God, help me. And this little voice said, well, why don't you make a collage? And I did. And that was the beginning. There were magazines. I got a glue stick. A pair of scissors was in the drawer. And in a couple of hours, there was my first piece. But what I realized is... I was back in my body just for a few Mm -hmm. hours and so the pain and the shock and the trauma that you know one withstands for long periods of time there was relief there was breath there was space Mm -hmm. now I slept that night and who doesn't want that absolutely (laughs) Who, who doesn't want that that felt experience and and that you know the paradox it, it is you know with art making is that i created into the wound completely you know that it that first piece really was a map of all the other work that i would do you know asking major questions who am i how did it happen and existential questions of why all right, there, there it was in its fullness, and it gave me the opportunity to to um, explore so much more, very deep going um, over years. Um, so that was the beginning, and as you said, felt embodied, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and that's what you, you, and that's what we hope as clinicians. <laughs> to offer those who you know we
0: hold that space for creating absolutely sometimes it's challenging right to to mm-hmm. move through some of the resistance to create um, but then once the creation starts to happen mm-hmm. it it just it shifts so quickly for the individual and yeah right and then they're like oh this was actually you know better than i thought it was going to be or this was more relieving than i thought it was going to be which Mm -hmm. is so nice to witness
2: yeah yeah i i tend to work very non-directed um always starting with meditative practices first and this is group work um you know to ground everybody and get everybody in a quiet space and then just talking and sharing a little bit and then creating for an hour and i always say just it's willingness and curiosity and presence you know so many times this one or that one would come in you know with you know i'm going to work on this and you know they've got their whole like thing ready to happen and you know, i always say just just be willing you know, to be with whatever's really here. When they open that magazine and right there before them, they're taken in a different direction, you know, they're present to that felt sense of this image, Uh, you know, either positive or negative response takes them to to what's wanting to be worked on. You know, we know that as our therapists magical things can happen
0: in that space yeah letting go yeah I think um, we're really lucky to be able to watch all of those things occur and, Mm and be in that space yeah for you when you're training other therapists to be able to do this work Uh, with clients and integrating um, the arts. Uh, What's your focus? Um, Are you bringing in, you know, different, uh, tying in different psych education components or theories related to grief um, and integrating that in the art? Um, Tell me a little bit about, you know, your approach.
2: Well, that's really what my work is at Portland Institute for Loss and Transition, where Bob Nehemiah is director, and you know he's a pioneer in the, in the field of grief and bereavement, so I'm so honored to be a part of that and serving as an associate director specifically to the Art Assistive Grief Therapy certification. and. Um, You know, to have have Bob also understand the power of the arts um, to support that place um, in the work um, is is wonderful. You know, he really understands at a very deep level um, what this is all about. And so um, it's very exciting to have an opportunity to teach clinicians from really all over the world, you know, when we have art therapists that that sign up for the art-assisted grief therapy track, it's really interesting because they already have the art background. They know all that, and so the pieces that we're giving them are the grief and bereavement pieces. You know, how do you fill that piece? And you know, um, what does um, restorative retelling look like when you're looking at images? um what does meaning reconstruction look like you know what are the tenets that bob talks about in terms of the event story and the backstory and bracing pacing and facing and you know these various things that are cornerstones to his work um what does that look like when we're looking at images across time you know Um, we may see some of that um in one image but it's really across time that we grasp these concepts so those are the pieces that we like to give the art therapists or the expressive art therapists you know because sometimes we have you know just not art therapists it could be movement therapists that could sure. be you know all kinds um occupational therapists that you know certainly are closely related so um you know, that's the kind of work with them. And then also, and you, you have clinicians, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, you, you know, um, nurses, palliative care people, hospice workers who are, you know, they have more of the psychology. They may even have, you know, the brief and bereavement pieces but the pieces that they don't have are the art pieces.
0: Mm. And most
2: often they're really curious about that. How, how could something like that fit into my practice? Number one. Yeah. Are, there, are there moments when I could introduce doll making to a specific client at a specific time? Or, you know, with somebody who's stuck, could collage work? To open that door, you know, to conversation in a way that we know that that happens, you know, you've got the image to ground you, um, and so we really offer, you know, foundational um, modules that teach the basic tenets of art therapy, um, you know, the materials and the methods. Um, you know, art and trauma-informed um, work. You know, so they have really the basics. And, and we're, we're also very clear that we're, you, you don't come out of this with an ATR. You know, we're mm-hmm. not training you as art therapists, but, but you, we're giving you very broad strokes, very grounded also in um, the experience. Hands-on mm-hmm. experience. So um, not just once, but you know, deepening experiences in a variety. Um, there actually have been 13 modules um, that we've rolled out, a few that are still coming up um, on techniques, um, memory boxes, doll making, collage. Um, Uh, dreamscaping, Uh, Claudia Conan with um, Karuna uh, cards. Um, We have someone who's going to be doing a module on Friday on um, mandalas, and a Jungian approach to um, looking at images. Somebody that's coming up that is going to introduce tarot cards. And um, looking at tarot and the images, not to use it as divination, which most people are familiar with, but looking at the image itself and how can you use just the image, just like we look at any other image, you know, Mm -hmm. anywhere, but um, a a wonderful approach and um, way through. So, so, um, so many interesting um, modules that will be, that will be coming up and People can take part of those live. We always love that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little hard if somebody is from Singapore or from Europe, you know, the time zones make it really difficult. So, um, those uh, technique modules um, and the orientation modules are then all taped and put into a library um, so people can actually do the certification. Um, pretty much online is mentoring that goes along with it. So we really wanna make sure that um, people have a very solid experience of it and a foundation of it, so. Yeah, so how
0: long would it take somebody to complete that training with you at the Institute? the, the 13 modules is it sounds pretty extensive. Well,
2: well the 13 modules is kind of like you know uh, of you know a lot of things to choose from um, the requirements you know are all listed on, on the website. so you don't take all 13. you have four basic orientational or orientation modules that you have to have. You also have to have and include some of the work that Bob teaches on meaning reconstruction, so that keeps all of the certifications kind of standardized. And um, uh, you know, so and there, then there's mentoring, you know, that's thrown in there. Um, and, and actually, some of the modules are still, you know, we're working on developing them. So. You know, to, to, to roll out a curriculum like that has taken a really long time. It's some of it is still you know coming and in, in development. So um, you know, and people really have the the opportunity to space this out as it would fit into their you know life. So I would think at least you know a year. You know, mm-hmm. if okay. you really were intent about it. Um, uh, so it's,
0: um, it's, that's a strong, that's a strong foundational experience for somebody yeah. though to, to have yeah. that extensive and consistent training with the same trainers and mm-hmm. really gives the opportunity to, you know, go into a deeper level of understanding of, um, all the research and stuff that goes along with your approaches that you're teaching.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and for some of the modules, we've actually, like um, IFS, um, uh, Peggy Kolodny and, and Cilicia, um, they did a wonderful IFS module, and they were so much interested in that, that they did a really, um, two-day uh, deepening experience um, you know with, with IFS specifically. And I know with dreamscaping, Nancy Gershman, she has um, you know, she did her techniques module, but then she really um, she's offering a dreamscaping lab. So there's opportunities for those who really want to embrace this to get lots and lots of learning um, last early last year, and I'm going to be doing this again. Um, I offered an open art studio. Mm-hmm. So for those who wanted to explore more deeply with me, you know, who had at least taken um, some of the modules, um, every Tuesday, it was a two and a half hour get together. As an open art studio would be, Um, where, you know, a little bit of discussion at the beginning, maybe a little bit showing of a technique and, um, and then creating together. And I think to be able to offer that in virtual space is, that's part of the the goal that's come through during this time. Um, so online on zoom, you know, to create together, you know, to be able to see, you know, I have a, a a second camera, so I can switch to that other camera and they can actually be with me in this studio space and watch me, you know, as I can watch them. Our hands are all moving, you know, there's a little conversation, just as it would be if we were in a studio together. And um, And then to be able to process that. So, you know, in these times that we're in, to be able to offer that and have an international flavor mm-hmm. to it is uh, really wonderful.
0: That that really is. I think when we can create with people from diverse backgrounds and cultures and experiences, mm-hmm. we start yeah. to really get to the to the heart mm-hmm. of um how 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 similar we all are and and what we're going through. And, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. And for clinicians, uh, I I think many of them were embracing this as, you know, yes, they were learning, but this turned into a lot of self-care. Yeah. This was an opportunity to pause, to do something, you know, for myself, you know, where that time was scheduled for two and a half hours. To be together with others. It, it, was, it was so wonderful. Um, so it was well received and we'll definitely be offering that again.
0: Oh, We've got to take care too. of
2: ourselves as clinicians, right?
0: Yes. I feel like um in this in these times too, the need for that has grown. Yeah. Um be- sure. because there's been obviously so much loss, so much grief um, for the clients that we're holding space for, but also in our own lives. And, um, and, you know, we have to figure out a way to make sure that we're taking care of all of our emotional needs. And, um, and it does require a little extra (laughs) more than normal
2: It does, it does, and you know, I realized um, how much I needed a space with others, and so when the pandemic (laughs) uh, happened uh, and everything closed down, March of 22nd, I sent out an email and um, to a couple of the faculty at Portland Institute, Bob included, and five of us um, formed a peer support group. And we met every Sunday, every Sunday for a year. And we made art. Now there were two art therapists, Sarah Volman and myself, um, Barbara Thompson, who's an occupational therapist, Laura Krachak, who's social worker, and Bob. And, um, you know, so this, this was an extraordinary experience for all of us. You know, some of us were art artists and art makers and others really were not. Um, and so they explored in new ways and it was it really was phenomenal to mm-hmm. be able to pour ourselves and what we were dealing with and all the stress that was happening to us at the same time that it's happening to clients. Um, So we're hoping that this experience can turn into some wonderful presentations going forward, maybe even a journal article and um, to share what really what we learned from it ourselves.
0: That would be wonderful. I, I think that's so important in, on the show, I interview a lot of therapists that are in private practice, they have their own creative therapy practice. And sometimes that can feel really lonely. Um, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be if we're really intentional about reaching out to our colleagues and creating something um, Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, that's mm-hmm. something that's accessible to all of us we def- everybody has zoom now <laughs> everybody knows how to use it um, there's there's so many opportunities to create connection
2: yeah there are and I think that's something that we've learned you know um certainly face-to-face is the best there's no, no way around it you know there are you know, some limitations, but if this is what we have, then that's that's wonderful. And to be able to use that um, it was you know a wonderful um, ex- deepening experience where you know lots of personal work um, was done and was a great support to all of us,
0: yeah, no, it's it's a great example of um... How we can be a support to one another, and also taking care of ourselves at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. yeah. Beautiful. So, Sharon, what um what are you going to specifically be teaching at the upcoming? Um, East Coast Summit, which is taking place in Atlantic City this year. Historically, it's always been in New York, but changes are happening and changes um... are
2: happening. <laughs> I love this conference. Um Gary does such a good job. It really is one of my very favorite um, times of the year, and we all can't wait, you know. Um, you know, to be back in New York, but this year, you know, I think I think he's been very smart in realizing that uh, something hybrid <laughs> is is still needed. So there'll be a, a Zoom component uh, to the summit the, this year. That was actually very successful last year. I mean, I it, it was phenomenal. Um, and, and did very well. But so the, the virtual part of the summit will be November 4th to the 7th and the 18th to the 21st mm-hmm. um, with an in-person uh, component, not in New York, but I know we're gonna get back there at the Tropicana Resort in Atlantic City from November 11th to the 14th. Mm-hmm. So um, I am going to be there in person. <laughs> <laughs> with my uh, Portland Institute colleague, uh, Sarah Bowman, and we're gonna be offering a masterclass in doll making. And Sarah presented quite a bit um, uh, on the use of dolls with traumatic loss. And um, it's, it's a really powerful modality. Um, lots of my work With doll making is branded in my work with military suicide survivors, um, taking doll making um, into a conference setting and giving survivors an opportunity to make a doll um, of themselves, you know, that speaks to who am I now, but often a doll of their loved one, um, which Surprisingly, the depth of healing that happens, the continuing bond, the felt sense of actually holding their loved one as they're making these dolls, often cutting up, you know, their loved one's uniform, piecing it yeah. together, you know. Um, so that workshop is chock full of case studies and images from a historical perspective grounded in um, restorative retelling and meaning reconstruction and continuing bonds work. And so we love that it's all day <laughs> because a workshop like that takes all day and then the opportunity to create the doll, you know, and to process it. So, um Yeah, that's, that's what I will be offering. (laughs) Um, And yeah, there's a host of presenters that are actually in this grief and bereavement track. Um, I think Barry was so wise in realizing where we are in this moment and the importance of this work and to kind of pull together as he does <laughs> the best of the best <laughs> and you know put us in in a place of community that um you know learners from all over the world can look at and go oh this all makes sense this is going to be really um terrific um so some some of these will are our virtual offerings like evie linderman she'll be doing um the healing power of mandalas, and then Mari, focusing on grief and loss. And mm-hmm. I've been to a, a few of her offerings that are spectacular. And um, I know that he's also, Barry's also put together a, 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 a track that's, it's a Latin American track, is debuting for the first time this year. Um, with 15 sessions representing 10 countries. So it'll be Spanish and English simultaneous. So We have have one of those tracks in the grief and bereavement tracks, and that's symbols and rituals in the management of loss, art therapy and the treatment of grief. Um, So lots and lots of wonderful presentations. Um, just kind of looking um, through my list here, uh, Rade Turner is offering, actually, this one's going to be live, Integrative Storytelling through Embodied Collage, Awakening the Inner Child. Sounds, that sounds wonderful. It does sound wonderful. And then a new one, actually. I forgot about this. But I'm glad that I looked at my paper. Um, Jill Harrington and I are offering a three-hour superhero grief, secret identity, and the transformative power of mask making. So Jill um, wrote uh, um, a wonderful book on superhero grief, the transformative power of loss, and so we're going to. Uh, work together and um, I wrote uh, a chapter on the flash (laughs) uh, in that and um, we're going to pull together an opportunity for some mask making and and discuss uh, really so many of the superheroes have um, a lost narrative and lost history. Right. Part of their stories. So that's going to be something new. yeah really. it it's it's going to be full and rich.
0: Oh, it sounds like it. It sounds like there's a little bit of something for everyone to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of options. Um, mm-hmm. And a number of all day. Events so in the all day workshop you really get to have that immersive experience Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the creative process.
2: Yeah, and several three hour ones. um, Sarah Bowman, you know my my colleague that I'm doing doll making with, she's offering a workshop, memory boxes, containers of love and loss, and that's a wonderful workshop on the use of three dimensional, you know, boxes and what you can do with that. Um, Claudia Conan, you know, offering a workshop uh, with her Karuna cards, brief work using Karuna cards, soul cards, and more. And then there's also um, Music as Medicine at the End of Life with Catherine DeLong. So, um, you know, lots of really, lots of really wonderful um, offerings.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it um and i know it we're kind of gonna i'm going to circle back but mm-hmm. i really wanted to ask you some questions about the yes. doll making yes. please. <laughs> please do yeah so uh, as an art therapist i i've only um used like i wouldn't even call them dolls but i guess that's what they would be like if made plushies with people um but they're more character-like and not necessarily representative of a person and uh, clearly not related to a grief story. Um, But I'm wondering how you discovered that doll making would be um, a healing intervention in response to loss and if perhaps there's any resources um, for other folks that are, are as peaked, their interests are as peaked as mine are about that, um, that they might be able to learn a little bit more in addition to what you're offering at the summit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, certainly, um, you know, there's a doll making module um, at Portland Institute for Loss and Transition, so people could go there and. And buy that, and and look at it. And I know we'll, um, you know, we're we're kind of a uh, Sarah and I are kind of a fixture for the summit. So if you if you don't catch us now, you're gonna catch us catch us again. But um, you know, to answer your question about how how this happened for me, and of course, it it was embedded in my personal, um, you know, journey. Um, I. It might have been five maybe five years into it you know you your child has a lot of clothing you know and and how do you get rid of it and what what at what point do you get rid of it Mm -hmm. um and there were things that i had that i did want to use and so i was at a point where i just was a little tired of the of the collage making so i decided to um open that door and um, I made a braided doll. Um, I wanted to weave together some of Kristen's clothing and my own clothing. Mm-hmm. And so I made this braided doll. And um, so that was my first experience. Um, I think anything that we offer has to come from our own personal experience. Um, and I I, enjoyed it Um, at that point I didn't feel like it met the needs that I still had at that time and so I did return back to collage but that's all (laughs) sat front and center in my studio and as I progressed in um, my own work and wanting to grow and expand you naturally you know you go to these conferences and you know, um, there's doll making here, there, and everywhere, and that's actually how I how I met Sarah. Um, I went to uh, a master class doll making uh, uh, that was at the uh, Play Play Institute. Oh, how wonderful! <laughs> that Barry had offered, and that's how we we met. And um, I just thought uh, this is somebody I would love to collaborate with. Um, but I was in the place of exploring dolls and making them myself, always in preparation. Um, I wanted, because I knew I wanted to take them out into the work that I was doing. So I had the opportunity to create dolls. And one of the ones that I created, um, you know, if you don't know what it's like to cut up your child's clothing, you have no business. offering that as a directive. Um, People bring precious things um, to workshops like that. And so I turned my attention to the most precious thing that I had, which was Kristen's baby blanket. And I thought, can I use this? Do I dare to use this? And what would that feel like? Mm-hmm. And I, I was so surprised that um, this came at maybe 16 or 17 years out of the energy of transformation that happened in the moment when I allowed that form to become something else, mm-hmm. you know, not explainable, you know, yeah. the letting go and the joy that, um, that was around that so you know over the course of all these years it's almost 20 years I, I I probably have about 12 dolls that I've made of all kinds not only her baby blanket but you know other um, other kinds of dolls spirit dolls and you know Day of the dead dolls and you know dolls mm-hmm. with bones in it and things like that so um, that prepared me to hold the space for a room full of suicide survivors who we had invited in for doll making. Mm-hmm. You, you have to know what you're doing. Um, you have to have really good clinicians around you um, who are expert, who understand the materials, who can help people process and be really present. So. Um, yeah, you know, phenomenal reception um, at the TAPS conference. TAPS is um, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. It's all military survivors, and we we took the doll making specifically to the TAPS suicide survivors national conference, and there were probably six hundred or more people there um from all over the country and um in our open art studio that weekend over two day, two day period we had over 160 dolls made it was a That's phenomenal incredible. it was a phenomenal response i i think all of us were so surprised and shocked um Because I I had been running that open art studio for 12 years, and we had never seen reception to a new technique like that. We had more couples coming in, and we had more men coming in than any other time. So that just speaks to what do we know? You know? Um, Yeah. People started saying, oh, dolls, you know, what is this about? you see one man with a doll in his pocket, or carrying it around. What is that? Oh, I had an opportunity to hold my son. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that was about. And so it just dominated sure. is really powerful modality.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it makes um, it makes perfect sense that you would want to A, make sure that you are taking additional training in, mm-hmm. in this modality before you're exposing it to people that are in a very vulnerable emotional state. And two, that you've practiced doing that with your own grief your experience.
2: Own. You have to go right to your own basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or you're never going to hold the space for for somebody else in that journey. And, um, you know, it's wonderful. You know, I, I love it. Um, creating and discovering and, you know.
0: Yeah, it sounds phenomenal. Um, I wish I was going to the in-person version this year. Um, I you know I missed last year obviously because it wasn't available. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not going to be able to go this year, but it I love those sessions and being able to be in that intense environment and
2: mm-hmm.
0: the act of doing um, is so you know you learn so much more in the experience of doing yeah. than just sitting in a lecture.
2: Right, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, you walk into a room where, you know, it is an open art studio that's filled with amazing materials, and you feel something. You know, mm-hmm. often you hear, uh, What's going on in here? You know, it's, this, this feels different. Well, we know it feels different. They're, they're tapping in and feeling into that felt sense of the creative process, you know, um, in all of its beauty. And it is a felt sense, and there's lots of healing that happens
0: yeah yeah wow um for people that want to learn more about you and your work Sharon where can they find you uh do you have your own website um yeah
2: well they can always find me at portland institute that's an easy one um, but i do have my own website it's artfulgrief.com it's very simple you know it's the title of my book okay. and um, you know you can see what i'm about you can see a lot of the images that i created um, the ones that are in my book are um, uploaded so people can actually see when they're reading my book. And you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you didn't put the images <laughs> in the book." Well, at that time there were copyright issues, but um, people can see those images and follow along, and, as well as um, understand, you know, the kind of work that I do.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
2: So. And I'm at lots of conferences too, so you know you can always find me that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so artfulgrief.com and portlandinstitute.org your foundation um, in honor of your daughter
2: yes, um, yeah
0: that That's is
2: a place that you could you can find me um we uh, set up a foundation the Christian Rita Strauss foundation um, shortly after she died, and in 20 years, we raised almost $2 million um, through a golf tournament. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think that speaks to what is out there in terms of the kinds of mental health issues, um, bringing awareness to a subject that people are reticent to talk about um, to having a place in the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone um, has some kind of story that's either their own family or someone that they know. And so even though we've wanted to give that golf tournament up <laughs> more than a few times in 20 years, um, we've been encouraged to, to keep at it. And it does fund um, programs um, at Johns Hopkins, um, we're connected with the Department of Psychiatry there and sit on their board. And um, we specifically fund um, the Adolescent Depression Awareness um, Program, um, you know, which is a program that teaches adolescents about uh, depression in high schools. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I don't know, 160 kids have been taught. It's in programs all around the country, so we're we're big about hands-on <laughs> um, programs, and uh, so that's been and, and part of my work. gets you know, supported through that.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. You certainly have um, your hands in quite a bit of um, you know different pots. If you will, your practice, your training, the foundation, um, a lot of different work, but all aligned. And um, that's really beautiful. And I'm glad to hear that your foundation has been so successful and making such a positive impact in the world. We certainly need that. Um, Mm Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's It's um, been an honor to be supported by many of our friends and people along the way who show up year after year and you know um are happy to support what we're doing and what we're about
0: yeah so if people want to find more about the kristen rita strauss foundation you can learn more at Mm www.krsf.com and um yeah I recommend you check it out and uh, yeah. check out yeah. Susan, uh, sorry, I almost said Susan, um, Sharon, <laughs> Sharon's uh, sessions at the upcoming summit um, or her trainings yeah. that she offers through um, the Portland Institute for Loss and Transition. Um, thank you so I, much. I
2: did wanna end with, mm-hmm. oh, No, I did want to. I did want to end with just talking about um, the town hall meeting, which will be um, actually um, a a way to celebrate. You know, this year of the pandemic has been so difficult, and um, Barry put together. uh, It's called town hall morning meeting and celebrating together, an expressive way through the pandemic, and actually Bob Nemeier is going to be a part of that group that. Puts on, you know, really an opportunity for um, uh, all kinds of experiences uh, um, on one of the evenings, November 6th. And so I think this will be a wonderful way to virtually um, celebrate all that we've, we've been through. And um, so I hope people may tune into that too.
0: Yes, I hope so. I plan on putting that information along with all of the sessions that are offered through um, this track that you've created specifically for the summit on grief and loss and uh, the creative arts therapies. So all of the sessions will be there, obviously. Links to all of your um, websites and uh, work will will be in the show notes as well. And um, I'm so grateful for you taking the time to speak with me today.
2: Well, I'm I'm honored and thank you for the invitation. This has been a wonderful hour of talking about what I love.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too, me too. Uh, This is my favorite part of my job lately. Just getting to talk with other art therapists and and creative arts therapists, play therapists um, about their work. Um, It's always Mm -hmm. so exciting to learn from one another. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Creative Psychotherapist and the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit series. Today's interview with Sharon Strauss, um, I thought was really delightful. Uh, She's so kind and um, thoughtful in how she constructs her interventions um, to uh, work with people going through this difficult process. Um, I I hope that you check out uh, her offerings or um, maybe you're inspired to check out some of the offerings from some of the other uh, creative arts therapists in the track that she has uh, coordinated for the summit. Um, there's so many wonderful different opportunities. And even if you aren't able to take a training, but you're looking for a place to gather and connect um, and, and, and share kind of your own process um, of grief uh, over this past year and a half, Um, Maybe a little bit more than a year and a half now Uh, don't forget there's going to be that virtual town hall, so you can attend by anywhere, and um, that's going to be on the evening of November sixth. and um, I'm sure there's going to be some expressive arts happening um, together and to make meaning out of this um, challenging experience that we've all been going through. And uh, you can learn more about that and all of the uh, trainings uh, that are being held at the Expressive Therapy Summit by going over to that website, summit.expressivemedia.org. And I really look forward to speaking with you all very, very soon in the next episode.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.